Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Hi. You know that movie you always wanted to see, but you didn't for whatever reason? Well, I call those black hole films. Everyone has them, and this podcast aims to do something about that. I'm Jeremy Lalonde, and every episode I'll be joined by one or more guests to watch a film that at least someone in that group hasn't seen. We'll talk about our expectations of it before it, and then our thoughts after it. This is episode 43, and I'm joined by the always lovely returning guest, Jessica Greco. You've seen her in The Animal Project, Anti-Birth, or on shows like Rookie Blue, The Listener, Bomb Girls, Murdoch Mysteries, Republic of Doyle. She's also a producer on the web series That's My DJ, and we sat down to watch a film together. So we're sitting down to watch Groundhog Day. <laughs> Jess is munching on popcorn. I'm Jeremy. I've seen this movie like a lot, a lot, a whole whack of times, mm-hmm. and I'll probably watch it a whole whack of times more. Mm-hmm. I have obviously never seen this movie, and I'm really excited to watch it. So, uh, where do I start? What do you know about the movie? Um, I know that it is Bill Murray. Yes. First and foremost, it's a seminal Bill Murray film. I know that it's Annie McDowell. Yes. I know that it's there's there's some sort of like news reporter element. Someone's a news reporter, I believe. Uh, Wyerton Willie. Basically, Bill Murray gets stuck like living the same day over and over. Okay, and over you know again. there's a time loop. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But then, that's sort of the concept of Groundhog's Day in general. What? The, the, to say someone is like living in a Groundhog's Day is to say they get caught in a time loop. Like that's sort But of I think that relation. came from this movie. Did it? I think so. Did it? I think so. I don't know. We'll have to ask Google. I don't. I, I, because it's not really a con- Groundhog's Day. Is just it, either winter's going to be longer or it's not. Mm, I it's, don't. I don't know. It's not super baked into the story of this. It just it just happens to be on Groundhog Day. This could probably take place any day of the year. I think they just picked the. That was a funny day that they could pick. I see. So, um, so that might have been because this movie is now, I believe it was ninety two. So this movie is now twenty five years old. That's what I was gonna say. I feel like what I know about this movie is basically the trailer that they would show on VHS tapes, like coming, you know, coming to VHS or whatever those trailers yeah. were. That when we used to watch VHS tapes, there was like a thirty second trailer specifically designed to give me this information, and that's all I retained about it. And it's kind of been remade in weird ways. There was the uh, that Tom Cruise movie, Edge of Tomorrow. The concept, yeah. Where, uh, and then they did a horror movie last year called Happy, Happy Death Day, yeah. which was really solid. Was it? Yeah, and they put a wink towards Groundhog Day that was very much them saying, we know what we're doing, we know who we're stealing from. But those movies are super, you know, genre-y, where this is like a straight-up comedy is what I was sort of sold. Yeah, absolutely. No, uh, this is absolutely a uh, straight-up borderline romantic comedy. Comedy. Well, Annie McDowell's kind of down in the middle. It, so yeah. I assume that and she's great. falls in love. Yeah, because <laughs> she always plays the love. Well, she's just, she's such a hard-boiled southern girl, just with like that face that's just like, that emanates light. Like, how can you not fall in love? I feel like... Th- that's all I know about Annie McDowell, except for Magic Mike, is that she's like the love interest in a series of romantic comedies. That's in true. The 90s. How has this movie escaped you? I mean, there are big holes in my neck. I understand that. I understand that. Um, I didn't. I did. There's those, just no interest in it, or I didn't. I just didn't. It wasn't a kid, and I say kid because when this movie came out, I was a young person. Yeah, um, would have been like in our t- early teens. Did really go in for comedies, broad comedies. It wasn't my thing. That's fair. 
I was sort of like discovering the 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 like that one wall in Blockbuster Video that had like my own private Idaho and um, are, die for uh, to die it, for. Was it like, the burgeoning actress in you just wanted drama? I think want- I just wanted something a little more off the beaten path, and anything that was too packaged for me, I just wasn't into. I'll say without ruining too much of this movie, I will say, given how kind of big, broad comedy this movie kind of is, it's also very off the beaten path. Really? Yeah. I'm gonna. I'm it's a I'm bit. Really excited. It's like a. It's um. It's definitely got like a polish to it and that studio feel to it, but it gets into some pretty heady stuff mm-hmm. in a really interesting way. Is the time loop stuff existential? Is it that sort of? I don't want to say. I don't want. I don't philosophical. Wanna... No. Yeah, philosophical for sure. It gets into that kind of thing, okay. right? Um, but I don't want to say too much because I don't want to give anything away. There's so much that we can talk about after, and, a... and there's so many little trivia things I can throw at you for this movie too. I also was not a fan of Bill Murray's haircut around this time. I feel like that may have deterred me slightly from watching this movie. Isn't that his hair in every movie? Well, not anymore. Now he's got a real sensible white. Uh, sure. Yeah, but of that era, I guess I, I don't so. really. I, I can't really go. Oh, this is that Bill Murray hair era. No, no. Yeah, I, I don't know why that deterred me in particular, <laughs> but if it really bugged me in the trailer, I was like, I'm out on this. Hilarious! Hilarious! All right. Well, let's just dive in. Yeah! 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 Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. And we're finished. <laughs> you noticed something at the very end I'd never noticed before. I, I, I'm, I'm sure someone will like write in and explain to me or tell me that I'm wrong. But when Andy McDowell and Bill Murray wake up on February 3rd, yeah. um, the day after Groundhog's Day, he's wearing blue jeans and what I believe to be a dress shirt and and Jared was making the argument for it to be a pajama top. I'm pretty sure it's a pajama top. And uh, probably pajama bottoms. But it's not. It's definitely not a pajama bottoms. It's 100% blue jeans. But we don't see what they... We just see them walking off in the night. We don't know what happened between then and the morning. That's true, but that means he changed outfits entirely. Not if they're pajama bottoms. They're not pajama bottoms. They could have went back and he wanted to get comfy. They're not pajama bottoms. We don't know. They're in grommets. There's many hours missing in the timeline that we are not privy to. I mean, sure. But (laughs) he's in this sort of strange outfit that does not appear at any other point in any other day. I think it's necessary to show a change, though, too. Sure. But it it, it doesn't fit in in the... in the internal logic of the movie. We're going to have to agree to disagree on that one, Jess. All right. <laughs> but you're going to go back and see that they're blue jeans. Probably. And I'll be like, where the hell those come from? I don't know. Overall? Overall, I, I liked it. It got quite, like, sort of macabre. It yeah. This real sort of... Um, and now that I am thinking about it, the early 90s, how, like... You know, um, Death Becomes Her and Beetlejuice, and there was like uh, that era was doing these sort of comedies that were a bit macabre. Yeah, but this also just gets. I mean, he kind of goes through all the different philosophers in a, in a, in a way, uh, and there's this period where he's very like Nietzsche, where it's just like things are dark. He's suicidal. He, you know, he's using his powers for bad, trying to manipulate women, uh, and it never works out. Right? Like that's, that's well, no, it does work out, just not with her. 
Yeah, it works out with the other girl. He beds with other he beds other women, but just not her. Well, it doesn't work out in the sense that he still wakes up the next day. It doesn't break the loop. No, that's so true. That's what I mean by not working out. I see. He doesn't he doesn't benefit from it in the long run. I see. Okay. Yes. Um but yeah, that that whole turn with the with Andy McDowell sort of, you know, going, Okay, that's enough, stop now and him pushing and pushing and pushing. I looked at you and was like, this is growing in being uncomfortable. But it's intentional. Um I, yeah, it is sure it is intentional, but it's still uncomfortable. And yeah. then and then to see like the follow up, which is oh, so so a series of slaps, which is just to sort of like project oh, that he bef- does it for the next however many days. But even before that, and you you climbed right onto it. That's why I love watching movies with you because you just like you you you're very physical with oh, how yeah. your body reacts to movies. But there's that great like super awkward scene where he's trying. It's similar to the the Annie Hall lobster scene when he's trying to recreate. Oh the God, day. the lobsters. But you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I do. But trying to, re- trying to recreate a moment that was just so spontaneous, and you just can't. No. And it's, he's so great and so awkward in that moment. And it becomes a bit manic. Yeah. And what's interesting that I really thought about this time around is how good Andy McDowell is in it. Because you have Bill Murray, you know, redoing the same scenes over and over again over different days. And it's okay for him to be different because he's trying different tactics every time. But she's nailing the same, like, timber of performance mm-hmm, mm-hmm. pretty much every time. And that's not easy to do. No, no. It, it, it doesn't come off as rote. It comes off as sort of genuine and in the moment every time. And she's incredibly likable. She's absolutely, like, luminous. I, I, was, I got over Bill Murray's hair because <laughs> of Andy McDowell's hair. Andy McDowell's hair is so spectacular. It's like, amazing, right? I forgive the whole movie all of its hair sins. <laughs> Uh, yeah, she's delightful. This is what I, I'm not a, a massive Andy McDowell fan, but I love her in this movie. She's so charming and sweet. Uh, and there's that moment when they're lying in bed when she's trying to help him that time. And he just says, you know, they're the kindest person I know. And he just, and you feel like that. I love that scene. Uh, and the sweetness of that. It's so strange though, because he's, he's clearly falling in love with her throughout the course of the film. And, by the end of the film, it sort of seems like he's trying to earn being worthy of of her loving him in return. Yeah, um, that's what that, that whole final act is about. Yeah, and he wakes up that one morning after that night and realizes, oh, I've got to change me. I can't keep on going through this and just trying to manipulate and make things happen. You know, do, doing the quick, easy solutions. Yeah, well, it also seems like he. Uh, up until that point is unaffected by anyone else. Uh, and that sort of turn and realizing that he will never win her over um, opens him up to being affected by everyone else. Yeah. Because he's quite self-centered through the first half of the film. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, it ignores the guy he knows from high school, passes the guy on the street who's asking for change, like is just... He doesn't care about his camera op, is just completely self-absorbed. Yeah, and and the continuity throughout the movie, the more you rewatch it, the more you realize how phenomenal it is. That must have been a nightmare. Like, there's... They only show it once, but there's the, when he saves that kid that falls out of the tree. Yeah. And then he yells at him. He's like, you never thank me! Once. Earlier in the film, when he is with the old man in the hospital, mm-hmm. the kid is in the waiting room with a broken arm. Oh, really? 
So that's what would have happened to him uh, had he not. He didn't die. But but it's just one of those things that I recognized probably on my 30th viewing of this film. Right. Or how I was like, that kid looks familiar. And Wait then I realized, like, oh my God, that's. But you would only pick that up in a repeat viewing. So what is the story with why this was the falling out between Bill Murray and, and Harold? If you hear low growling, there's a dog here. He's having a bit of a nightmare at the moment. Oh, just give him a scratch. He'll be fine. You're okay, Rufus. Um, oh, yeah. So this movie uh, created a falling out between uh, Harold Ramis and Bill Murray for a number of years. I think they're on okay. Well, Harold Ramis has passed away. But I think they. Were you going to say I think they're on okay terms yeah, now? But I think they. they I'm probably in death. They made up on. at some point. But it was. I think it, it was. Bill Murray was going through a divorce at the time, mm-hmm. um, and the script. The script had started off in a very different direction. The script. The original script started off already inside the loop. Oh. And. And then you and you're seeing almost a scene kind of like the one where he goes in the diner and I'm like this person this this person that and then and starting there and I don't know how the rest of it went about mm-hmm. um, and so the script went through and a lot of different iterations the first draft took place over ten thousand years okay or the one this one said to uh, Harold Ramis said somewhere that he believes the math that they worked out was that it takes place over ten years. The the the, the loop version that we ten, just watched yeah. was ten years long. The lo- the loop lasts ten years, given how many. You actually only see thirty eight days throughout the movie, like mm-hmm. throughout all the quick cuts or the longer scenes. It's supposed to be about thirty eight days that we see, but there's all the stuff that happens in between. Where well, because he, he becomes like a piano virtuoso, and he learns how to ice sculpture with and, a chainsaw. Yeah, like there's just this series of skills that there's. I looked at you at one point when he was. It was when he's playing piano and went, how long has this movie been going on for? Yeah, exactly. Or even just, and, and the, the quickest um, kind of clue that there were missing days in between is when he takes the money out of the back of the, the Brinks truck or the, right. the um, safe truck. Because it's like car, this, that. You get he's a sense timed that it out. He's timed, he's got the timing down to an art form. Well, that explains part of his madness if it's 10 years, because it's also 10 years of winter, waiting for spring, like that whole Just metaphor. Just the same thing over and over again. Yeah, so the sequence where he kills himself however many times, you can kind of understand why he might try that tactic. I did find myself multiple times thinking, if this movie had different music, it would be a completely different film. Well, there's, there is a section, there's about 20 minutes or so in the movie where there's not a ton of laughs. Where he tries to save the old man. Yeah. And just, it just, it gets kind of, it gets really, really in, not Wait a second, I don't think you answered the question as to why they had the falling out. Oh, why they had the falling out. So, uh, so the script had some challenges. Bill Murray had a lot of, originally, uh, Harold Ramis wanted Tom Hanks for the movie, but was worried oh. that Tom Hanks wouldn't be able to sell the shitty version of Phil. Oh. Um, which we know now he would totally be able to do that. He's but so the, likable. Yeah, exactly. That's, he's like, it's too likable that it was hard to do the the bad fill. And there's a story I read somewhere where, because they, you know, they, they block shoot every sequence over the course of the movie. And, you know, Bill Murray would be getting confused over what, what, yeah. what, what version they're in. And he's like, and at one point he would just go to Harold Ramis and say, just tell me if I'm good fill or bad fill. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I need to know right now. Um, but so when they were developing the film, Bill Murray was going through a divorce and so it just became really obsessed about the film because he needed something to concentrate and put his energy in. 
and was starting to drive Harold Ramis nuts with, he'd be calling him up at all hours of the night and just kind of being a little bit much. And so Harold Ramis kind of just pushed him off on the other, the co-writer mm-hmm. and didn't really want to deal with him. And, and I think that call started the riff. But by the end of film, I think even through in the middle of film at one point, they were not on speaking terms. Wow. You can read the, all this stuff's online. You can, you can read it all in different things. It's been, it's been talked about. So it's not, it's not like a big, it's kind of an open secret that they had a falling out during the movie. Right. But, um, yeah. And there's, and there's, I think there was other iterations of the, of the story where she was part of the loop too. They were both stuck in it. Oh, um, I don't think that lasted there. It's, it's interesting. If you go online, if you, even I think the IMDb trivia page gives you a lot of the little factoids about it. Uh, the place they shot it, which wasn't actually Punxsutawney, I think it's somewhere in Illinois. That or um, anywhere in Ontario. Or yeah, it's so it could totally be anywhere in Ontario. It could be Niagara in the Lake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Could be um, could be Unionville where we shot How to Plan an Orgy. You know, there's a lot of little things like that. There's uh, the spot where he, he um, goes into that super deep. What would you call it? Like street hole. Uh, yeah, it's a pothole. Pothole. There you go. Thank you. But it's like. There's, two and a half feet deep. There's a plaque there now in the town that says Bill Murray stepped here. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Things you learn online. I haven't been to the town, but uh, but I, I believe that fact is true because I want to believe that fact is true. I want to go to that diner and, and eat all those pastries. They look delightful. Right? Yeah. But let's think about what would you... So you, you're in a loop. Yeah. You know the day is going to reset. What do you, what do you spend your day? Oof. Because as dark as this movie gets, it could get way darker. Well, that's just it. That's why I said, you know, with, with the, the different music and same script. Like, it, th- this is one of those scripts where much. I always feel like Home Alone is the kind of movie that is ripe for a remake. Exact same script, but just someone take the tone uh, and music and, and art direction in a completely different direction. And yeah. make it a, a proper horror film. And that's how this feels to me. So it's like Home Alone meets Hostile? Well, but, but Home Alone is... Yeah, oh yeah. A torture porn movie. It's just set up for us to be like, you know, to to feel lighthearted about it. There's a great um like science nerdy video my my son found uh, on YouTube that breaks down all the things that Kevin does to the the wet bandits and if they would actually survive some of them. Yeah. And stuff like when he when the spider's on his chest and he hits him with a crowbar, it's like, no, that would puncture his lungs, he'd be dead. <laughs> Even just to the point that they, his family, like, leaves the continent and forgets their child. I like the level of neglect that he suffers and, like, no one comes the, looking. That for setup's him. pretty good. There's a lot of kids. They count him. They do the count. They think he's there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, you, this is what I'm saying. It's ripe for a remake. Like, you could do sure. it. Just same script. But just a different interpretation of it. And this movie feels the same way to me. Well, and it has been kind of... I mean, The Edge of Tomorrow redid it as an action film. No, I mean like shot for shot, same script. Edge of Tomorrow is a Uh, big old Tom Cruise fucking vehicle. That's a great movie, though. It is. It's a great movie because of Emily Blunt. Oh, she's phenomenal Yeah, Emily Blunt makes it a great movie. Otherwise, it's just a classic Tom Cruise, like... Running from things blowing up movie. It's a bit better than that, though, because it's got a sense of humor to it, where it's not just him as... It's because what I love about that movie with Tom Cruise in it is Tom Cruise isn't playing Tom Cruise action star. He becomes that by the end of it, but he starts off inept. He doesn't know what the hell he's doing. She turns him into, like, the stereotypical action star. That's interesting. I didn't see it that way. You know, it's because he's bumbling. He doesn't know what he's doing. He's not good at it. He's kind of a bit of a goof. 
you know, he learns how to be Tom Cruise action star because of Emily Blunt. Mm-hmm. Um, but you never, you're, you're, you're avoiding the question. Well, what do you do? You're, you're, okay, you're on day... I'm not avoiding it. We just got off on a tangent. That's fair. Okay, you're on day 20,500 oh, of this time loop. What I do mean, you do? that's such a... I, yeah, I feel like by that point, some sort of real, like, level of sadness and depression would have set in. Because, yeah, I would... I'm such a... I'm a strange bird anyway. So I would have gone straight for, like, walking naked down the street. Like, that would have... I would have gone way out, uh, you know, robbing the banks and and um, yeah, all of it. that. Getting in fights and trying to kill myself way earlier. By the time you're on <laughs> day 20,000, it's like... It's just... It's Olivia Plath... Or Olivia Plath. It's Sylvia Plath, like, head in the oven, bell jar. Like, just... It's just yeah. dark. But then after a while, you're just like, well, I gotta... F- it's never going to end. Killing myself doesn't stop it. I can't actually get out of it. Now I've got to actually try to figure out how to fix it. I think. I think. It, I think the madness would get to me. But I don't think fixing it at some point. I would just like in, enjoy the madness and be like, no, this is, just, <laughs> this is a prison of some other spectral design. But you would. But I think after a while, you, I think you'd still eventually have to come out of it. How? There's no. There's no end in sight. You'd meet your Andy McDowell. Okay. Listen, if my if if Andy McDowell is there, then I have hope. But I didn't. I didn't think I got an Andy McDowell. Oh, cool! You have to get an Andy McDowell. Okay. If you're stuck in the Groundhog right. Loop. Okay. She's what pulls you out of it. Can my Andy McDowell be Chris Evans? Sure. Okay. Then I'm. Then I'm. Then I'll be all right. Yeah, I'll, that's I'll fair. Um, yeah, I don't know. What would you do? <sighs> what wouldn't I do? I mean, especially when but, you know. But this is what I'm saying. Like on um, by year ten, not year one, year ten. I think I'd I'd probably especially now like if we're in two we're two we're in two thousand eighteen, yes. not ninety two. Yeah, I would take advantage and watch a lot of movies, <laughs> and become even and, and really fill in all those black holes. Okay, total cinephile. Yeah, and then you walk out of that going, I know I've seen every movie. I'd see every movie. <laughs> that would be your your goal is to see. Every I think that's, movie. that's one of the goals, but I think also, I think just. Just try, taking advantage of the time and trying out a lot of stuff, like food. I try every restaurant in the city. Yeah, food would be Especially bad. if you're not in a small town, because there it's easy. He just orders one of everything off the one menu. But I think part of what would drive the madness is that it's February. Yeah. That's the they don't play that up that much, the, the idea of the cold and that that's getting at him. It's quite gray, though. The like the lighting of the movie is quite gray. It's like a real sort of um, low cloud ceiling. Well, that, that's the other challenge, too. You think of the challenges of making a movie like Matching this. Matching the light. You've got to shoot this over multiple yeah. days and match. Outside. Outside every time. Yeah, I think that's, that's for me, like, that's what I kept seeing was the madness of it. I was waiting for it to go sort of less funny and more misery (laughs) a little darker because it it, 10 years it would drive a person mad i think it's quite interesting that he chose to you know learn an instrument or a language well she did say at one point that she would want a man that knows an instrument absolutely yeah but then but the motivate that's the thing the motivation to do that when you know that you're trapped yeah but what's not what i like about what where, where it goes towards the end is when he's sitting in the diner and he hears the piano, I think it's just like he's not doing it necessarily just to impress her anymore. He's doing it because he knows he has the time. Right. Why not? Learn? I can. And I. You kind of see the twinkle in Bill Murray's eyes where he hears this super complicated piano piece being played, and he's like, "I can learn that. Mm-hmm. I can learn that over time." Mm-hmm. 
How long will that take? Two years? I got two years. Because you, I like to think that the whole sequence where he's trying to woo Andy McDowell and it starts to go well and then just fails and then just goes into a downward spin. I want to believe that's a year of his life. Of the trying to woo. Yeah. Just the little things he makes some mistakes on and goes back. And we're just seeing little people. We're just seeing every like 40th attempt. Well, that's the other thing that's quite interesting about it is that if there is no tomorrow and he is in love with this woman and he sort of pushes right up to the line and then has to acquiesce. Why he doesn't at some point just like go, what, what, what the fuck's the difference? I could rape her. I could have my well, up there. That's that's why it's a Hollywood movie. I think you couldn't... I, think, I don't think just an audience could never come back from that. Agreed. But but taken to it, its full conclusion, sort of being stuck in a time loop and being in love with this person and having them be your obsession, at some point, if you have no consequences, oh, sure. that is that is violence is part of this sequence. Yeah, and in, 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 in a modern remake of this, he would murder Chris Elliott. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But, uh, I mean, I think that's... Yeah, I think... Because he I, punches him and it's so satisfying. He No, he punches Stephen Tabulowski, who plays the Ned Ryerson. Oh, he yes, yes, yes. Him. He'd murder him Ned? as well. He'd murder Ned as well. Yeah, he would just go on a... Sp- you would have a scene where he just goes on a spree yeah. and just mows on the entire town. Although, maybe not. There's not a lot... People, we don't... Well, no, I don't know. Yeah, that would be fine, probably. Sadly, I mean, he robs a bank. He like, there's just there's all these other things. Um, yeah, they don't go that. I mean, I I don't need a rape scene in this movie. That's for sure. I don't. I'm not asking for one. We're just going. Yeah, the natural conclusion is that you would just it would become the purge. Well, yeah, I mean, based on who he is, who they set him up to be. Yeah, but he starts off as a terrible human being. Yeah, and what I love. Oh, the other thing that was in, I think. Um, one of the original iterations of the script was that he... Actually, no. It was in this version. Uh, they shot it, but then they edited it out. Was, I believe, or maybe it was just scripted and they cut it up before. Either way. there In this iteration of the movie, uh, they tried to explain the magic. Which I love they don't do. Like, okay. It's just... All, all that happens is he's a dick... And he deserves it. There's no... He doesn't fall in a magic hot tub. Right. He doesn't... There's nothing... Right. There's nobody... By the way, top hot tubs are not magic. They just travel through time. True. Sorry. Not magic science. My mm-hmm. bad. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, there's no... There's no curse. Right. But there was in the, in the script... Because what there was, was there was this ex-girlfriend of his that he pissed off. Mm-hmm. Um, and she had a voodoo doll. Oh. And that's how that's they... That's tricky. Yeah. But they cut it out. Thank God. Yeah, we don't need that. No, you don't. I think you just know that he's a shitty person that's in need of change. And that's all you need. And I love how simple that is. You know, they don't try to set up somebody cursing him. You know, he's just a, an asshole. Isn't this? Is he playing the same character he played in Scrooged? The- it's a very similar tone. I and I love that movie too. Mm. Um, yeah, it's a very similar. Starts off as a dick and becomes a better person throughout the course of it. Through some mental torment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but Karen Allen in replacement of Andy McDowell. <laughs> yes. No, I liked him very much. It wasn't uh, as funny as I thought it would be. Is that is possible? Yeah. I mean, all the funny is, is just classic droll Bill Murray um, being quick and strange. And his delivery is just so specific to him. 
all of I, I'm curious to see how much of this was improv, just him sort of throwing lines out. Oh yeah, I'm sure there's tons yeah. of it. Well, especially because so much of it it is montagey, jump cutty. That it's kind of designed for that. But everyone else in the film is in like a different universe than he is. Literally. Literally. Literally and figuratively. Yeah. They like he But I don't feel like they're in a different movie. I don't feel like they're in a different movie, but they're not as grounded as he is. Every other performance is a little broader than his is. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah, you get moments with well, I think they're all, I mean, there's people that are putting on airs a little bit. I think Annie McDowell is trying to, like, figure out where her, her character is trying to figure out where she stands with him. Mm-hmm. And, and then when you see her letting her guard down, it makes a difference. What's interesting is how Chris Elliott's character gets worse. Yes. Throughout. Like, he, he, he tips the woman, then takes the money back. Yeah. Yeah. He, um... He sort of earns the reputation that you you that is superimposed upon him at the beginning of the movie from Bill Murray. Like Bill Murray's like, you know, no, I've seen him eat. It's disgusting. Like sort of puts it out there that this guy's the worst, and then he proves to be the worst as the movie goes on. But as Bill Murray has started to accept him and been kind of Yeah, thing. yeah, yeah, yeah. But it just it struck me as kind of it it's felt a little Intentional that all of these other characters are just a little broader and a little sort of um, off kilter. And Bill Murray's the only one. There's a dog. Yeah. It's okay, He's buddy. He's having a dream. It's okay. Oh, buddy. Um, and Bill Murray's character is the only one who, although he's, you know, an egomaniac, is sort of based in reality on some level. Yeah. He's great. Yeah. He's. he's uh, it's funny that originally he thought they thought of Tom Hanks because I just assume. Because of the history between him and Ramus, that this would have been designed for him from the get-go. Well, but again, tonally, it, it maybe it was sitting in a different place. Yeah, because the original script, because it's a script that was acquired by, uh, I don't have the writer's name memorized. Um, uh, and then Ramus and he en- ended up sharing credit. I think that's just because Ramus ended up doing his own drafts after a while. Because that's the one thing he promised the writer was that he would oh he would keep the original structure he would keep it starting in the time loop gotcha and then did not and then did not I love that Harold Ramis he's always in his films I did not know that he was directing it until his name came up all, like all over the opening credits um, is not wearing glasses when he's playing the doctor and it's so clear that he cannot see anything. <laughs> It's true. He's like right up to the his nose up to the to the uh, X rays, and then when he's looking at Bill Murray across the room, he's like blinking a million times trying to focus on him. Contact lenses are expensive. Can't see a damn thing. No, it's almost like he made that choice five minutes before shooting. It was like there's a glare. I'll just take them off, no problem. And then that's totally what it was. Yeah, I'm sure. Although yeah. he's been in a movie with, with glasses before, he just didn't want to relight that one. They didn't have time. It was the end time. of the day. Bill was drunk. But it was no Bill Murray was Bill not drunk. Drink. On set. He doesn't drink. Oh, I'm sure he drinks. <laughs> um, or some. I I want to believe it's one of those situations where an actor was sick or pulled out or something, and he had to jump in. Just the, step in. Step in that role. Be and a like, union member. Do it quick. Uh, I don't know. He always gives himself. I'm sure. He, I'm sure it's an intentional cameo. Yeah, but the, the no glasses thing is interesting. That's funny. Yeah, he's blind. He's blind in it. 
How do you feel watching it for the bazillionth time? I love it. I love this movie. I think I think there's there's moments that it's interesting. There's moments that kind of make you go, Ugh. especially around him manipulating the women. But then it's all like none of it benefits him, other than yeah, sure he gets laid that one night, um, presumably. He gets the other girl to show up in a French maid costume. It's true. Yeah, and you got to imagine there's other women in between. Yeah. Uh, so. None of that's great by any means, but I don't think it was ever played to be great when it first came out either. Right. You know, except for I'm sure there's some males in that is going, yeah, that's what I do too, you know? Um, but, you know, he doesn't prosper from that. And you could mentally argue that the slate of all of that is wiped clean, so those none of those women actually had to go through any of that in the final version of this day. Uh, and it's all just going towards him learning to be a decent human being. Um, so I like that the movie, you know, never rewards the bad behavior. Right. And so, and then that kind of stuff is intentional. It's not just played for laughs the way so many, so much stuff in, you know, the late, in the eighties and and early nineties starts getting a bit better, but it's just, you know, there's, there's misogyny and homophobia. There's the bit where he calls the, the, the waiter and he's gay and he's like, I am. They, where it just feels a bit, oh, that's a very dated... You're outing someone. Yeah. Yeah, that's not okay. Yeah. But, the, but then he's okay with it. So there's that. But um, it's just little things like that. You go, oh, that's a very dated, you know, 25 years later. Do you know what I found so dated about it? What's that? Their dental work. I couldn't stop looking at their teeth. Andy McDowell's teeth was the first time I noticed this, that she has a weird... Almost like cap on them or something. Yeah, her teeth look like they've been adjusted, um, but they're not bleached out yet. And his teeth are just a jack-o'-lantern. This is definitely the first time dental work's been brought up on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just one of those things where I remember it, I, it stood out to me because you would never see anyone on film now with less than perfect teeth. And they were doing these extreme close-ups. And for those of you at home, you, Jeremy's setup is quite... Posh, it's like this giant screen uh, projection situation. So a close-up is very close. Yeah, you got to see a lot. Yeah, and I was like, holy crap. These these people's teeth are not jacked up, but they're like normal human teeth that have not been adjusted in any way, which would never fly in Hollywood now. You got to watch more British films. In Hollywood now. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. For American stars. No way. No way, Jose. So you're okay with the teeth, the hair, but the teeth was just... No, I like crooked teeth. It just, it's, it struck me as dated. Ah. Like that was the thing that it just, I was like, oh yeah, this standard of beauty does not exist anymore. Um, that is unacceptable now. Much like, you know, how old is Andy McDowell? How old is Bill Murray? In this movie? No, in real life, like when they were cast opposite each other, what was the age here? Oh, the age difference between them? Yeah, because she's a little bit of a bumpkin. Like, she, the, the movie starts off with her, like, playing with the weather, blue screen, and just being real happy to be there, and real cheery, and real yeah. sweet, and everything. And I'm going to the internet. You know, her little impression of the groundhog, and, you know, popping out, is scrunching up his little nose, and she's very sort of f- fresh off the bus from wherever the hell she's from. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm spelling it. Oh, is it? It's spelled it with a Y. Andy. There we go. That's what I want. 
if her age is on here, so she's fifty nine now. Bill Murray's definitely. Older He's in his seventies. For sure. Murray is sixty seven. Shut so your they're mouth. Only, they're only eight years difference. It's not bad. Sixty seven. Yeah. Wowzers! I was born in nineteen fifty. He's younger than my dad. There my dad, go. shout out to my dad. Yeah. Uh, so that's not a bad. Eight years is not. I thought it was, I thought it was more too. Well, yeah, and I I maybe just they've aged differently or. Oh yeah, Andy McDowell has aged well, and Bill Murray's aged the way you would when you had the life of Bill Murray. It's true. Yes. Um, but but also just how they played it. You know, he's a bit more hard boiled, and she's a bit naive. Like she's talking about, like after I didn't. There's no when she describes her job situation and how she got her degree in French literature and then ended up producing. Yeah. Like there's no crossover there. There's no. There's no like. I then makes it seem this. like producing is a real easy job to get. And then she got it straight out of school after getting a degree in French poetry. Well, she doesn't seem like some woman that just came out of college either. She feels like she's been in the job market for a good ten years or so. You think so? She doesn't come on like. She reads to me as mid thirties in the movie. Okay. Sure. Okay. Or like early thirties. I'd say re- yeah, but early thirties. And then he reads mid to late thirties in the movie. You think so? Yeah. Oh, I would. I would say older. Yeah. Yeah, I would. Well, he's born in nineteen fifty, so he would have been forty two when the movie came out. But just looking at him 40. and his character and his well, yeah, approach but- to life and what they're playing is she seems to be playing. This sort of fresh-faced, eager beaver yeah. optimist, and he's sort of like bored with it all. Already. Well, he would have been probably around time of shooting. He would have been forty-ish, and she would have been early thirties. Thirties, yeah. So, yeah. But I just don't know what she's done up until this point because she's the new producer. Yeah, I don't know either. Yeah, but she's new to the station. It seems like she's like, she's just- a good. That much of a story. <laughs> no, there's not a lot of backstory. But just the way you see her kind of goofing around with a green yeah. screen. It that she's seems never like, experienced it before. Yeah, she's playing around that makes in a way that makes it feel like, oh, this is fresh for her. Yeah. She has, it's her first year doing the Groundhog Trip. Yeah. You know. Interesting. She's new. She's new. And was this the last time that Harold Ramey and, and Bill Murray worked together? Pretty sure. Yeah. Like, I think they made up, or at least... Went back on speaking terms, but I don't think they ever worked together again in any official capacity. Right. Hmm. Yeah, because he passed away. Harold Dermott passed away before the new Ghostbusters. Right. Um, but they they tried to do a third just amongst the, the original group for forever. Never could, came together. Never, we could never get a script that they were all happy with. Bill Murray kept on wanting to be killed off. <laughs> he said he would do it only if he became a ghost in the opening sequence. And was a ghost first. This would make that work. Da-na-da-na. Um, what was I going to ask you about Bill Murray? I can't remember. So maybe Bill Murray. Uh, nope. Nothing. It's all gone. Uh, yeah. Any other final thoughts? Oh, that's what it was. It was not Sam Raimi or Bill Murray. This is going to air what on... Well, I'm going to try to bump this through. To uh, get it on Groundhog's Day? I'm going to try to be as close to Groundhog's Day as possible. So what do you think? Are we going to get six more weeks of winter? Oh. It's, we, we were kind of talking about this while the yeah. movie was going on. That here in Canada, it doesn't really <laughs> fucking matter what happens to the Groundhog. 
It's going to be a six-part week of winter anyway. Yeah. You're not getting out of February without winter. Except for global warming sometimes changes that. Yes. Uh, well, we have... Who, who do we have? Wyerton Willie. Wyerton Willie is ours, yeah. Um, I think there's certain parts of Canada where it's a bit more relevant. I mean, we are probably in one of those areas. Mm-hmm. That's a bit more... I think the, the folks in Manitoba are not so lucky. No, they're getting what they're getting. <laughs> the people, you know, the yeah. people uh, in northern Ontario are not so lucky. Yep. But here, we... Sometimes get an early-ish spring, but I don't ever remember taking any stock in it when I was a kid. <laughs> it was just kind of fun to hear the thing, and then you kind of forgot about it two seconds later. It's kind of cruel. Like, they show in the movie how they, they, they sort of throw this groundhog in a dressed-up log and then pull him out and hold him up in front of a crowd that screams at him, and then they put him in a cage later and, like... Take him back to the zoo or wherever. Oh, I think that is a much-loved animal that is taken care of very well in this town. That Maybe. has that has groundhogs on their garbage cans. Maybe, but wouldn't he just be happier being a groundhog? I don't know. Like just, I'm sure he's taken care of well. I mean, who knows? I don't know what groundhogs eat, but I'm sure he, this this groundhog eats top notch. But, but he lives in a cage. It's true. They uh, they bred a family of groundhogs just for the movie. This is terrible. Are you what? serious? I don't, how is that terrible? They're taken care of. They bred a family of groundhogs just for the movie, and then what did they do with them? Probably let them out in the wild. Do you think so, or did they just like donate them to a kindergarten class or a zoo or something? No, no, they were all full grown. Like they, I mean, I don't know how long it takes them and for a groundhog to be. Why would they need a whole family of groundhogs for this I movie? No, they needed multiple. I don't know. In case one was cranky. Bill Murray apparently had to get tetanus shots because the groundhog bit him. And it was really deep. So clearly they're not that well taken care of if they're attacking Bill Murray. Well, I think it's probably the scene when he's got him on his lap. Yeah, the they're scared. They don't like it. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot he drives with the fucking groundhog. <laughs> I thought about that. I'm like, what happens if this groundhog just turns on him and he's trapped in the cab of a car with this animal? I'm pretty sure there was someone in that passenger seat that Bill Murray could pass that thing to. Oh, or would try help to, or, yeah. Or would help. As this thing goes bananas all over Yeah, the you. first time he committed suicide, that was big for you. When he just drove off with the yeah, truck. Yeah, it was this Thelma and Louise moment, and I... And then there was a huge fireball, like it was... And, yeah, it was a bit much. Well, There's that... There was a lot of gas in that truck. That light, that lightened it quite a bit, because had it not been that, had it just been this, like, car hitting the bottom of a canyon and this groundhog and Bill Murray dying on impact... That would have been way darker than the giant, Explosion. you know, John Woo-style fireball in the uh, in yeah. sky. Also, with them just, like, leaning over the side of the cliff going, oh, no. Like, just this is the worst reactions. Yeah, they're not really that upset about su- it. Like, killing themselves. Oh, not at all. Not yeah. at all. He's videotaping it, in fact. I can almost see you doing mental math going, how far in the movie are we? <laughs> exactly. It can't end like this, right? This is not the end of the movie. Did he get out now? You brought up a point about them showing Bill Murray's corpse. There's a weird scene about halfway through where in the middle of his uh, his suicide rampage, they cut to the hospital and Bill Murray's dead on the slab and uh, Chris Elliott and Annie McDowell identify the body. And it makes zero sense because it's the only scene in the movie that's not from Bill Murray's perspective. And the, and the kind of conceit is once he dies, the reset happens right away. So for him to just for that, to just for us to see that it's the weird moment. I don't know what we're supposed to get from that. I just feel like that's the kind of thing that they shot because they probably 
you know, had extra time in the hospital set or wherever they were, and they were ahead of schedule, and they just grabbed it. And they thought they might need it. Maybe I just it's tr- it just there's a logic thing that doesn't make sense for that scene to exist in the movie, where Bill Bill Murray's character is dead. It just it just tells us that there's a this multiverse where these people keep on going on, right? And that there's you know a hundred thousand other universes where each of these days continues to play out forever. Right. You know, throughout the course of time. Yeah, I, it didn't do anything for, for me in terms of story or the narrative. It just That's the first time I noticed it was this time around. Yeah, and like, huh. he's done up in, you know, real death makeup. They could they could have gotten away with not showing his face, but they give you, like, two shots of him as a corpse. Yeah, he's dead. He's clearly so, dead. He's yeah. not, he didn't just recently die. It'd be different if they... If they were with him as he died and they had a little moment, I'd buy that. Yeah. But he's been dead for an hour or so. Uh, Longer. Yeah, yeah. He's quite gray. Yeah. Um, so that's my, that was the thing that I bumped on this time. I, I had a logic flaw with that. Uh, but the rest of it, the movie kind of just, you, you kind of just let go because the movie's the movie. Yeah. It was totally fun. It was absolutely fun. I'm glad I've seen it. I feel like Bill Murray is just as someone who does quite a bit of comedy is someone I should have seen more of. I've seen a bunch, but I haven't seen all of it. It's good stuff all around. I just watched Stripes recently. Yeah? Yeah, it's good. It's great. We did uh, Meatballs in the podcast. Ah, uh, so a Canadian can, classic. Yeah, it's, I think it's the only Canadian film we've done so far, sadly. We're going to try it's to happening. do more, I it's promise. Happening. Don't worry, fans. I'm going to make Jeremy look at the last five minutes of the movie to prove to him that Bill Murray's wearing jeans now. Okay, we're going to do that. Let's all go to the lobby. Okay, so... <laughs> Because Jess forced me to rewatch the I did. last. He didn't want to. He wasn't going to do it. He was totally wearing that outfit the day before. He was. He was. He had on a jacket and a scarf, and she, and she had on a vest. But they like took off their outer layers, and he is wearing jeans because he's wearing jeans the day before. So for those of you who were screaming that that they were doing the whole time, we we apologize. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I. Uh, I take full responsibility. You really were fighting against it, though. You're I like, really felt like it was that, and it was not. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Thanks. We're doing an amend... Amendum? Amendum. 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 Uh, the first. I feel so special. It's not that kind of special. Oh, all right. Never mind. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Thanks for joining us for Groundhog Day. If you like the show, please subscribe to the podcast and spread the word about it. You can find me on Twitter at Lon Jeremy and go to Facebook for Black Hole Films. Leave a review there or on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is you listen to this thing. And until next time, go watch something you've never seen before. Thanks. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat.